0: Hey, it's great that you've joined us here at CityPoint Redcliffe Today Online. Uh, How about you just like and subscribe? Uh, But today uh, we're bringing a message and I pray that it blesses you and it gives you keys on how to live God's uh, best for your life. And I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. So this morning I just want to share uh, really around the, the psalmist David. You know how he wrote a lot of psalms? Anyone read through the psalms? And you can read through those psalms and a lot of those psalms are quite depressing. Have you ever read through and you're like, oh man. Uh, what was this guy on? And uh, so you read through it, but I mean, he's got every excuse under the sun. Uh, you read through it, and, and the Bible actually says that he was a heart after um, God's own heart. That's what he was known for. But as you start to read through it, you start to read, and then you come across one psalm, and it's actually in this psalm, there's actually some, uh, what would I say, there's some comfort in this psalm. And it's actually, there's some uh, positivity around this psalm. And so when you look at the life of David, you read through the Psalms, and, and you'll find out that you know, there was always someone trying to kill him. You know, he served a king. He saved a nation. And then all of a sudden, the king gets jealous and wants to end his life. And so he goes from palace to on the run. And then all of a sudden, he deals with that issue. and Well, really, God deals with that issue. And, and then you find out and you start to read his family story and how dysfunctional his family is. And then reading through the dysfunction of his family, you find out that one of his sons actually wants to kill him and take his throne as well. Now, don't you think he's got something to worry about? Don't you think he had some bad days? And so all of a sudden you start to read, you get a picture of his life and you read through the Psalms. But there's one Psalm I want to have a look at today, and that's Psalm 23. And most of us know this Psalm, and a lot of us would know this Psalm off by heart, but if you don't, you can look to the screen. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I, I want to say this. You know, our theme to, is really pursuit. Pursuit of God. You know, pursuing God. And I would say this, is that for each and every one of us, I would love that we, our heart would pursue after the things of God. In other words, is that my heart would be that of the Father. If people could say at the end of my life, you know, he had a heart after God, then I'd be happy. That's it. And so we read through the Scriptures and we find that David's heart was always after God. His heart was always after pleasing God. His heart was always after being in a place where he could hear God intimately. Friends, I believe that for our life is that we need to be in a place where we can hear God intimately for ourselves. And so as I look through this and I read through this, we find that there's full of comforts, there's full of expression and delight and God's greatness and goodness and dependence upon Him. And friend, for us to get through life, these are the things that we need. We need to find a place where we become dependent upon Him. You know when i read through this scripture and you could spend almost a month on that scripture pulling things apart but for the next 20 minutes i'm just going to pull out a couple of points the first thing that i find is that when i read through the scripture is that he says i shall not want in other words he says i shall not lack i shall not lack you know in today's day and age we live in a day of lack do you realize that is that We never have enough. We never have enough. You know, we lack everything. No matter how much you have, there's always more. Does anyone like that? No matter how much you have, there's always more. You know, you get to the stage where you think you have everything and I'll be satisfied when I just reach this point in my career. I'll be satisfied when I just get maybe this house. I'll be satisfied when I get this boat, when I get this car, when I, when I get there. And when all of a sudden when you get there, what do you realize? Something's not satisfied. There is always more. Friend, we live in a world where we have a mentality of lack. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to fix a, a spiritual need with a materialistic need. Is that a lot of us think, if we can just move to the next place, if we can just move across to the next stage in my life, I'll fill that hole, I'll fill that void, that lack that I have, friend, that lack can only be filled by God. But yet we still keep trying. We still keep moving forward. If I have enough, When I get a new house, a better car, a bigger boat. You know, Proverbs 27, verse 20 says, The eyes of men will never be satisfied. Friend, we've got to stop looking in the natural. We've got to stop looking in the natural. It seems that humanity is built upon a lack mentality. You see it from a young age. Who loves Tim Tams? In other words, who doesn't? But you see it. What what is it with Tim Tams? You buy a packet and there's never enough. Honestly. Like, I've got four kids, and I can put the packet of Tim Tams down. We can all sit around, and I can divide it up. And no matter how many is in that packet, there's never an even a number. Does anyone know that? Even if it's one person sitting down, there's never enough. Like, it's just the rule of the Tim Tams. But what I find is this, is you can divvy them out, and and, and what I find with kids is they're eating one in their mouth, but they've already got their hand over the next one. And and you know what? When there's four kids, there's always a fight. Now, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. You've had two, you've had five, you've had ten. You know, but but. But what, I, what I've found is that you've always got that one kid. Now it's mine. But we live in a world of lack mentality. You know, unfortunately, if we're not careful and, and we stay in this mindset, all of a sudden you, you lack creativity, you lack ideas, you lack judgment, you lack relationships, you lack friendships, you lack resources, wisdom. Why? Because you start, to create the cre- you start to stop the creativity of God in your life. Lack will always narrow you down. God had never called us to live within the realm of lack. And When I read this scripture, I find that he goes, I shall not lack in God. In other words, you will meet all my needs no matter what. No matter where I am in life, whether I am on the hilltop, you will meet all my needs. Whether I am in the darkest valley, you will meet all my needs because I will not lack because you are with me. No matter what the circumstances of our life, you are with me. Philippians 4 verse 19 says this, And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in the glory by Christ Jesus. His riches. Friend, his riches, we need a new perspective. If he paves the streets with gold, does he actually care about gold? Friend, his riches is you, you and I. It's relationship. It's connection. Is that he cares about you more than anything else and he has your best interests at heart. David had the realization that he was Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. You know, he is Jehovah-healer. He is my healer. He is my supplier. He is my salvation. He is my banner. Friend, David had a realization of who God is in his life. God always calls us to live in the realm of possibility more than enough and faith. He never calls us to live in the realm of lack. He calls us to live in the realm where opportunity is. He calls us to live in the realm where we believe the best in everyone around us. He calls us to live in the realm that we would be a resource to those in need, to be able to see the potential in every opportunity. That's where he calls us. He calls us to living in the realm of possibility and faith. When David stepped out onto the battlefield with Goliath, he stepped out. He stepped out into the possibility of the opportunity of faith being outworked. Friend David was there on the battlefield. He went up to meet a warrior, but he didn't have a warrior's armory. He didn't have a sword, he didn't have a shield. He had what was with his hand. When David entered that battlefield, he stepped into the battlefield and he connected with a giant with many more experienced years in warfare than himself. But David knew that this was a time of opportunity. This was a time of faith. This was a time of stepping out. You know, there are going to be times in your life where you'll see the opponent, you'll see the opportunity. But you'll be like, God, I don't have the resources, I don't have the armory to to face that at this point in time. I don't have... But God's saying, hey, step out onto the field anyway. Step out onto the field anyway. Because it's actually not about your lack, it's actually about me. It's actually not about you at all. It's not about your ability. It's I give you your abilities that you have right now. It's actually about, friend, it's about filling that faith gap. And in life, you're going to have faith gaps. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he goes on to say, I will fear no evil. Live in the realm of possibility and faith. Live in the realm of these more than enough. When you live in this realm, you'll never lack. My second point is this, is that you will fear no evil. You will fear no evil. In life for certain, there's gonna be one thing, is that you're gonna have valley experiences. You're gonna have the highs, you're gonna have the lows. But it's what you do in the valley will determine the outcome of your valley. It's what you do on the mountaintops will determine the outcome of your valley. And someone's like, well, what does that? That doesn't even make sense. Friend, you know what a lot of things that I find? Is that when a lot of people get to their valley moment, they haven't prepared themselves when they've been on the hills. Because they think that life's just going to be like this. I'm living in God's favor. Yes, you are. But he says we're still going to have trials. He says that life is still going to be tough. But, friend, you want to know the word of God before you hit the valley moments so you can stand on the promises of God. So you can declare the promises of God. That you would know that He's, he's a yes and an amen to every promise. That you would know the scripture that when you're in your valley moment, friend, I, I won't deny. Yes, I'm in valley moments. Why? Because I'm still going through my health crisis. No, battle. My faith step. I'm in the gap where I'm going to receive my healing. But if I don't know what the Word of God says and I've come to the face this moment, how am I going to stand? How am I going to declare the Word of God? You know, I need to know the Word of God. The Word of God came to earth and healed. A yes and amen. I declare that scripture. He came, the Word, Jesus, and He healed. If you could ask me right now, I could tell you almost every story in the Bible about healing. Because I've gone through from the start of this year to go, okay, from Matthew right now, I'm going to start reading every incident where God healed. Because everyone goes, you know, he healed the blind. Yes. He healed the lame. Yes. He healed the sick. Yes. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. Yes. Does Bible actually talk about cancer? Is that word in the Bible? Is that word in the Bible? I'm like, whoa. And I'm reading the scripture and I'm going through it and I found a passage, which I should have pulled up, where God's sitting around a table in a heathen's home and he heals someone with a stomach issue. Bang, right there. God heals cancer. I might have been diagnosed with something when it comes to my stomach and my bowels and whatnot, but God heals that just as he heals the blind, just as he heals the lame, just as he heals. So you've got to know your word. When you're in the valley moment, you've got to know the word. And if you don't know it, you've got to go and find it. And too many of us, you know, we run to other things instead of going, okay, what's the word of God? says, I'm not denying going and researching and doing everything, but you stand upon that, but you need the promise as well. You need the promise. Because that's just tools that you're using, but you need the promise and the faith in God to declare his goodness. And we find David, you know, in the valley moments. You know, for some of us here, we may have lost a loved one unexpectedly. You know, you maybe could have been diagnosed or a loved one diagnosed with something. You know, you could be in financial hardship, a relationship breakdown. Sometimes when you're in the midst of the valley, it's hard to see the end in sight. Hmm. But what do you do when you're in a valley? You look up. You look up. Because you're looking up, because you're going to the mountaintop. Friend, you're going to the mountaintop. Reminds me of Joseph. Joseph, he has a dream. He tells his brothers that one day you're going to bow down to me. They laugh at him. They ridicule him. They get jealous of him. They're so jealous that they decide that one day they're going to kill him. And one of his brothers goes, you know, we can't kill him. Let's chuck him in a pit. They chuck him in a pit. And when you're in a pit, where can you only look? You can only look up. Right in that moment, Joseph's probably in that pit going, looking up, going, God, this is not the dream and vision that you had for my life. Right. <laughs> this is not the way that it should work out. They should just be bowing down to me no matter what. And here he is, he's looking up, he's looking up. But then all of a sudden you find that he gets dragged out of that, he gets sold into slavery. Then he ends up in prison. But at the end of the story, the dream comes true. When you're in a pit, when you're in that moment, when you're in the valley, You should fear no evil. When you have the Spirit of God inside of you, when you have His Word, in that moment you can stand the test of time and declare the goodness to those around you. David, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a king wanting to kill him, dysfunctional family, a son wanting his throne, but at the end of the day he had the realization God was with him and His Word comforted him. Friend, in those moments, his word will comfort you. If you know his word, get to know his word if you're on a hilltop. Know his word inside and out so when you are in the valley, you'll know where to look. But more than just when you are in the valley, but when those around you are in the valley, that you can share God's goodness, you can bring hope and life to those in the valley. You can be God's hands and feet to those around you. The way to stay the course in a valley time is to stay in close proximity with the guide, the shepherd, the spirit of God. How is your proximity with God? Isaiah 41 verse 10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Right now, you may be in the valley. If fear and worry and doubt are around or have gripped your soul, lift your eyes to heaven. Take hold of the promise he has put before you. Friend, I guarantee you this. He will strengthen you. He will help you. He will hold you. <laughs> Psalm uh, Psalm 13, verse 5. David's here and he's like, I've thrown myself headlong into your arms. I celebrating your rescue. I'm singing at the top of my lungs. I'm also full of answered prayers. You know, he'll uphold us, he'll, but we need to throw ourselves into him. Yeah. Friend, what I find is that a lot of people, they don't throw themselves into him. They retract from him. There's going to be in that moment where you'll be by yourself, where you need to throw yourself, you need to tell your soul what to do. Yeah. There are plenty of times recently that I have to tell my soul what to do. There are plenty of times where my wife tells my soul what to do. <laughs> and there are plenty of times where I just need to get away and I just need to tell myself, come on, get right. Let's move this. Let's, I, I need to throw myself. Yeah. It's like bungee jumping. Anyone been bungee jumping? I remember bungee jumping because someone gave it to us for our anniversary present. No, our wedding anniversary, wedding present <laughs> while we went on that thing called a honeymoon. Years ago, that was nineteen years ago. Ah, we made it. And yeah, this week, nineteen years. Yeah, we celebrated. Anyway, but I remember the moment they gave it to us, and and we, we went to Cairns, and you know we decided to do this. And if you know Carolina, Carolina's always up for an adventure. She said for her thirtieth, I'm going to go skydiving or something like, wasn't it? Yeah. And she went. She's like, you coming? I'm like, no. No. And of course, you know, when someone buys you something, you have to use it. Because you'd never buy that for yourself. And she's like, yes, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going. And so we get to Cairns, and you know how they, you know, they build the bungee things, and they always put it on a mountain so it looks higher than it really is. And so we get up there, you do it all, and, and Caroline's like, let's go, let's go, let go. She's pumped, and I'm like, But anyway, we climb up the stairs. They don't put elevators in or lifts, they do stairs. Because you know why? There's always someone that's going to do the walk of shame. And I remember going up and on this thing, and Carolina's there with us, and we're pumped, and we're all good, and she goes, you're going first. (laughs) Yes, I am. Yes, I am. But remember the days when we had international tourists? we had a bunch of those in front of us. And I, I remember this, is that they were up and they were going first and, and I remember the instructor saying to the guy because there was a, like a, a, a lake down the bottom that you could decide, you know, how far do you want your hands to go in, your body to go in, what do you want to do and this is the way you hold your hands and, and you know, different things and procedures and I, I don't know whether there was a translation issue or something there. But anyway, he, he's telling, I want to do this and that. Anyway, so, so here I am, I'm like, great, I'm trying to get the courage I'm going, here we go. Babe, you sure you don't want to go first? No, no. And I remember this moment, this guy, he goes off. And you're supposed to put your hand... He didn't put his hands first. And he hit the water face first. There was blood. And who knows when you're next... I remember, I was there for 10 minutes. I was like, (laughs) wasn't it? It was funny. I was like, I said to the instructor, can you just push me? And he's like, we're not allowed. (laughs) Anyway, I went and I did it. I did the whole thing and I'm waiting down the bottom and I'm like, come on, baby. I see you there. I see you there. I see you there. And I see someone come down and it's not her. Oh, about 20 minutes later, someone's walking the walk of shame. Oh my God. But friend, what we need to do is we need to be the ones that just into Him. Free fall into Him. Free fall into Him. He will come to our rescue. We'll celebrate. And this is the thing, when you're in those moments, when you're in those times, what I do is I celebrate who he is. I declare his wonders. I declare his goodness. I declare his favor. I declare who he is in my life. I keep walking. I keep my soul right. David, at the first half of this verse, was describing his circumstances feeling abandoned by God. But then David changes his response to his circumstances, throws himself into God's arms. Throws himself. One of my favorite statements, and most of you know, I'll use this all the time, is church. He says, when the what-ifs loom larger in your conscience than the why-nots, then cowardness rules over courage and dreams go unfulfilled. God has a dream for each and every one of us. We're going to have trials, we're going to have moments, we're going to have frustrations. We're going to have challenges. But it's how we move through those things in him that we will receive the reward and that we will receive his promises. And sometimes those promises and those dreams won't be the dreams that we thought they would be. But friend, there is one thing that I will say to you, they are always better. Because sometimes we settle for good, but God has his best in store for us. But if only we could stay the course, if only we could take hold, if only we could keep the faith, stand our ground. For some of you today, the what-ifs are screaming at you. Just because you walk through the valley doesn't mean your dreams are going to go unfulfilled. The journey is the process of seeing the dreams come to fruition. It's the process. Hmm. Huh. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 3, For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his words. You may be in the valley, but today, today, but tomorrow you'll be living the dream. Don't lose hope. Friend, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Take hold of who he is. And the last thing that I'll pull out of this, and which I love, is that he makes this statement, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friend, above everything else, is your motive, right? David's motive was that he would always dwell in the house of the Lord, for in other words, it wasn't a temple. It was a place where his presence dwelt. It was like, God, wherever you are, I will dwell in that place. As a young kid out on the field, he was in that place and his heart was turned towards God. And it was like, this is where I'm going to dwell. You are here, God. I'm dwelling here in this place. As he grew older and he moved through life, as he lived in it, God, here you are. And you would find it's a a positioning of your heart. It's a desire and motive of your heart. Lord God, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is the motive of your heart? David's desire was to be located in the presence of God. In the presence of the Lord, you will find, friend, greener pastures. You'll find greener pastures. In that moment of sitting in his presence, you'll find the still waters. Where the chaos of the world may be shouting at you, in that moment of just sitting there and basking in his presence, his still waters will come and minister to you you will find restoration for your soul. Where a soul can be tormented, it can be pulled to and fro, you can find a place where you sit and He ministers and His Spirit calms and ministers restoration to your soul. You'll find the anointing, you'll find His presence, you'll find healing, you'll find wholeness, you'll find deliverance. You'll find that in His presence it's more than enough. There's more than enough. And you'll find his goodness and his mercy. You'll find his goodness and his mercy. Friend, today, learn from the psalmist, learn from David. This year, as you pursue God, pursue his presence, pursue his heart. Is it as you start to pursue, make sure? that your heart is after his. Make sure that your motive is right because when your motive is right, everything else will be right. Does it mean the trials won't be there? No, they'll be there, but it'll be right. Does it mean that your world won't be rocked? It'll be rocked, but you'll be right. You'll be focused. You'll have a peace, a peace that goes beyond all understanding. Charles Stanley makes this statement. He says, you can be tired, weary, and emotionally distraught. But after spending time alone with God, we find that he injects into our bodies energy, power, and strength. Energy, power, and strength. Yeah, you know, there are going to be some times, and I'll, I'll be honest, where you emotionally won't feel like it, where you'll come to the end of yourself, and you're like... Here I am, I'm exhausted. I'm but that's the time where God can come through. Because it's not about what you feel, it's actually about who He is. It's about what you believe. And friends, sometimes we need to tell our soul what we believe. And so today I want to ask you a question. What do you believe? When it comes to Jesus, do you believe that He is the Son of God? Do you believe that He was sent? Sent to earth to come and redeem humanity? To come and bring us in right standing with God so that we could have a relationship with Him? Because the Word of God says that He chose us. And that's why He sent His Son. But he just waits for us to choose. He waits for us to accept an invitation. And this morning I've just spoken about a guy that had a heart after God. His desire was to be in his presence. And I've spoken about, really, as you desire and you put the right things in place, God comes through. doesn't mean life won't be easy, but it just means that you'll have a God that cares for you, loves you, and will walk with you.